Welcome to the porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grun. This is where we get back to basics. We examine the Word of God, and we focus on the Book of Acts Church, and we follow their example as to how they served the Lord. We dig deeper into Scripture. We don't water it down. We don't gloss over it. By doing so, I believe that we have found the church the Lord intended and not the one that man created. The porch was created to restore the priesthood of the believer and regain the world-shaking influence that the early church had because we believe the church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire still falls. The porch is an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc. Go to onsolomonsporch.org if you'd like to contact us there or go to firefalltalkradio.com. You can do that as well. You can also... Find ways to support us at the bottom of the main page. We appreciate each and every one of you that support us and keep us going. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site of Firefall Talk Radio, which is Spreaker.com forward slash user forward slash Firefall Talk Radio, all one word, or just download the app and put it on your smart device. That's how you'll get to know when these are live and archived. You can access the archived ones there. You can also will get notified when Overwatch gets back to posting on Sunday nights. Have an update on this e-conference video. The editing is in process going well. First draft of session one is done. I am hoping to have the both sessions posted on our Vimeo page soon. I'll give you an update next week, if not before. I'll either let you know on our Facebook page or via email. Thank you for your patience. Starting out with praise reports and prayer requests, we praise and praise and praise him. Enter his courts with thanksgiving and with praise. So I praise him from my home, the home I'm doing this in, the studio that I have designed and created to serve him. Praise him for my lovely wife of 39 years. I praise him for my family, my sons, my daughter-in-laws, my grandson. I praise him for our furry kids, furry family members. And I praise him for every possession that I have. I praise him for the protection that he offers over us, that Psalm 91 covering, which is always in effect for the dreams and the visions of which there have been a lot lately. I praise him for his healing virtues, which are still available to us. I just praise him. Because I can praise him. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You're a new creation. We're living in prophetic times. We're living in exciting times. And it it really appears that we're going to see him soon. So praise him for that. Praise him that we're in America. Yes, there are problems and, and there's all sorts of silliness and craziness. But you know what? We're doing this. Nobody's kicking down our doors. Nobody's taking away our Bibles like they're doing to our brothers and sisters in the world. So praise him for that. Praise him. As I said, the signs are telling us he's getting ready to return. I sincerely believe that. Praise him for his favor and his revelation and just for the relationship, the ongoing personal relationship that we have with him. We pray for the Middle East. We pray for Israel and the peace of Jerusalem, that God's favor would be upon it and that he would guide it, protect it, we pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, both in and out of the womb, both human and animal, victims of injustice. Oh, my goodness, we pray for them. 
We pray for our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered, persecuted, homes destroyed, fellowship, places of fellowship destroyed, but they carry on. They don't give up. We pray for them. We pray for them to encourage them and God to protect them. We pray against and for the slaughter of the innocents, the babies that are being butchered and, and the innocence that is being stolen. I'm sorry. We, are, we say we're one nation under God, but we're still doing it. And until that stops, we have got a problem. I pray against the religious persecution, the anti-Semitism, and the victims of sex trafficking, human trafficking. In case you don't know it, the devil is not in hell. He is about his fallen angels. They are out and about. The demons that were created in the Genesis 6 incursion are out and about. So continue to pray. Pray for divine wholeness, health, and continued healing as we get back to our divine design. So each and every one of you that need healing, heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, I pray healing into your bodies, into your hearts, your minds, your souls, and your spirits. We pray for divine protection, that Psalm 91 covering I mentioned, for inspiration to keep going and and just to inspire us, the fire inside of us to fuel us, for the remnant to wake up. I don't preach to the church. I preach to the remnant. I speak to the remnant. I run and gun and, and minister with the remnant. We got to wake up. We have to rise up. We have to answer the call to action. I pray for those who have been blessed to be a blessing. Firefall has needs. SRT has needs. The porch has needs. We need his blessings. Agree with us in prayer for that. And that each and every one of us would prosper in accordance with his word so that the kingdom would benefit from it, that the open conduits of his blessings would flow. I pray for my wife here, Deb, in Orlando. Deb is my wife. Yes, that, I, I got that right. I don't know how that came out. I hit the microphone, and now it's, it's I knocked it out. It fell. Um, for continued healing, for relief and, and renewal and favor. Stacy in Texas, she says, I ho- hey, I hope you all, she didn't say you all, she thinks she's going to get me to say y'all again are doing okay over there. I'm thinking of everyone and praying. Please continue to pray for healing and deliverance of my family. It's gotten real over the past couple of weeks. I have a job interview Friday. Please pray that I get one of the open school nurse positions. So Saturday, I'm headed to Bolivia, and this is in regard to that documentary about the uh, plane crash that her father was on many, many years ago. Um, She's going there, and so please pray traveling mercies for her. And then protection that she doesn't get sick while she's there and for her children while she's away. She said, it's an intense time over here, but I'm standing. And may we all continue to stand and endure in the name of our Messiah, Jesus. Kim in Fort Mitchell, at least she doesn't make me say y'all. She said, I hope all is well. I'm doing good. My husband is back here safely, and I'm grateful for that. It feels wonderful to see the kids happy to see him. I praise the Lord for this. also praise him for my salvation. Without that, I wouldn't even be able to see things with new eyes. I praise him for keeping me sober today. Thank you, Father, for my children, my friends, this ministry, and my dog, Bruno. I praise you, Almighty Father. 
for providing for us and giving us a place to live. She's asking for healing in her body. She's been struggling with a stomach bug, and um, it takes a while. It's gone around. So we just pray right now in the name of Yeshua that it be healed, that whatever this is would leave her body, and the body would be restored in Jesus' name. It says, protect my friend Stacy and her children and guide her. Protect the porch families, Father. There's so much going on in this world, and it's hard not to put this world's weight on our shoulders. Help us to stay focused and not get distracted. She's asking for prayer for a financial hardship once and for all, so please pray for that. And she said, Father, there seems to be a season of forgiveness for me. Help me to open my heart and see things with your eyes. And save my husband and my mother's soul in Jesus' name. So, Lord, you know all these things. We come to you. We boldly approach the throne of grace and mercy as your children, saying, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy. We just want to crawl up on your lap. Sometimes we just want to stay there. We don't want to get down. So we ask each and every one of that each and every one of your children feel that love, feel that embrace, feel that comfort. We thank you. We thank you that you love us and that you loved us when we were unlovable. We thank you for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua, to die for us, to pay our debts so that we could be reconciled to you. No more estrangement, divine reconciliation. We thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for paying that price. We thank you for the cross and what you endured and the blood that you shed. We thank you for the empty tomb that you are alive. You're not there. Your body cannot be found because you have risen and sat down at the right hand of the Father in fullness and in power, and we sit with you in the heavenly places. So bestow upon us now that favor and that position of favor. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for walking with us and encouraging us and teaching us and being our counselor, and we just thank you for doing that. So, Lord, we we praise you. We praise you for the technology. We praise you for this ability. We praise you for each and everything that we have. We thank you for what we have. We thank you for what is coming. We know you are as good as your word. Bless this time. Bless the technology, Lord. Prepare our hearts and minds to receive. In Yeshua's name, amen. These lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So last week we talked about the Gadarene man. We started it with Mark 4, Mark chapter 5, I'm sorry. We did start at the end of Mark 4, 35 through 41, then took it to Mark 5, 1 through 20. And what we saw was that faith inspired action, and that action created compassion and empowered evangelism. Because what happens is after Yeshua heals the Gadarene man, the Gadarene man wants to go with him. But 
when he stepped in the boat, the man who had been controlled by the unclean spirits kept begging him that he might be with him. Isn't that the way you get saved? You realize what he's done for you, and you want to be with him. But Yeshua refused to permit him, but said to him, Go home to your own family and relatives and friends, and bring back word to them of how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had compassion for you and mercy upon you. And he, being the gathering man, departed and began to publicly proclaim in Decapolis, the region of the ten cities, how much Yeshua had done for him. And all the people were astonished and marveled. Isn't it amazing that we all do it? First, I'm going to get in ministry. I'm going to go serve the Lord. But we serve the Lord by being like him, by, by ministering to people in the real world. I think the church has created this. I don't even know what the word is. I haven't thought about it. I'm, 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 off, I'm freestyling right now, as I call it. We, we all seem to think that ministry is, well, we need to go get credentials, and we need to do this, and we need to do that. No, we live ministry. Ministry is who we are. It's our testimony. So we're going to pick it up in Mark chapter 5 with verse 21. We're going to talk about the woman with the issue of blood tonight. I mentioned that Mark chapter 5, and, and there are other parts of the Bible. I think it's Luke 8 and, and also in Matthew. They cover the same stories in the same order. They're a little bit different, but I've, I'm taking it from Mark chapter 5. So open up your Bibles, your apps, whatever you use, and go to Mark 5.21. Now when Yeshua had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. So he left the crowd. Now he's crossed the waters, and there's another crowd to greet him. Shouldn't that be the way that when people know the power and the presence of the living God in the name of Yeshua, HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah is present, shouldn't it draw people? And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Yeshua went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather worse. When she heard about Yeshua, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. She reached out and touched his prayer shawl, the zitzitz on his tallit. For she said, If I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt it in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Yeshua, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around to the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see a multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling and knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So here he is. He's back in Capernaum. He's on the west side of the Galilee. And the first thing that happens 
He's approached by Jairus, who's the leader of the local synagogue, who organizes the worship service. So he's a high-profile Jewish leader in the area. But I got news for you. When you need a miracle from God, position and status and all those vain things have no value. And right now he needs healing for his daughter. And he sets aside all religious and political concerns to approach Yeshua with the greatest need that he has ever faced. And he knew that Yeshua could meet his need. He believed, based on the stories, that if Yeshua touched his daughter, she would be healed. His faith in that aspect was unshakable. So while they're on their way to his home, this woman with the persistent issue of blood, a severe menstrual disorder most likely, is in the crowd. Now, this is a risk on her part, just like Jairus is risking to ask Jesus to come to his house. She's unclean by, by, by law. She's unclean. And if anyone were to touch her, they would become ceremonial unclean for one day, according to Leviticus 15. But she still entered the crowd to touch Yeshua. She's taking a risk. Anybody could have seen her and shouted unclean, unclean, and stoned her. So her tragedy is both physical and it's spiritual and it's social. This bleeding, this chronic bleeding for 12 years has made her ceremonially unclean, precluded from participation in community worship, and more than likely being untouched by loved ones. You see, Leviticus fifteen nineteen: if a woman has a discharge and the discharge from her body is blood, she shall be set aside, set apart seven days, and whoever touches her shall be unclean till evening. But you go down to Leviticus fifteen twenty five, and there's a secondary rule law: if a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, other than at the time of her customary impurity, or if it runs beyond her us- usual time of impurity. All the days of her unclean discharge shall be as the days of her customary impurity. She shall be unclean. Every bed in which she lies all the days of her discharge shall be to her as the bed of her impurity. Whoever sits on it shall be unclean as the uncleanness of her impurity. Whoever touches these things shall be unclean. He shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean till evening. That's the life she has lived for 12 years. And Mark doesn't pull any punches. We know Mark is writing Peter's perspective and says in verse 26, And suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And guess what? It's often the case when a person gets put into the hands of men who can do nothing to bring relief. The Jews had many remedies for such cases, but they were all helpless to to bring a cure for her, to drink herbs, or uh, others were sudden fright, or burning new grapevines, and uh, sitting over ditches, just pure superstitious stuff. And Mark is not complimentary towards the physicians who treated her by noting that she'd spent all that she had. Now, Luke, being a physician, when he tells this story, he admits that detail, but just admits she actually got worse. I'm sorry, I kind of like Mark's version better. 
doctors are practicing medicine and they are practicing on us. And you can see it in Luke chapter 8, verses 43 through 48. He says, A woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. That's all he says. Came up from behind and touched the border border of his garments. He really narrows it down to the fringes. Immediately her blood of flow stopped. And Yeshua wants to know who touched me. Somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out of me. Now, if he didn't pray it, and he didn't intend it, what pulled that power through him to her? Keep that question in mind. Because this was common. If you look at Luke 6.19, the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out of him and healed them all. Right now, whatever your need is, wouldn't it be great to just be able to touch him? But you know what? Since you can't see his body yet, you will. And you can't touch his body yet, you will. But you can touch his heart. You see, she risked it all. She reached out. She touched him. The power flowed out of him, and she was healed. And it had to be an emotional moment for her. The blood flow stopped. That feeling of weakness and illness and sickness stopped. All the money's gone. All the visits to the physicians, all the things they probably had her do are gone. They're out of her mind. She's healed. She's healed immediately where medical science failed for 12 years. But she realizes she didn't have permission to touch him. And according to Jewish law, she shouldn't have tried to touch him. So she's afraid. And the first thing he does is says, be of good cheer. The Lord wanted to assure her that she'd done the right thing, so there was nothing to fear. If you're ever afraid to pray that prayer or to reach out to touch him for your need, don't be afraid. And he says, your faith has made you well. That word well is whole. Your faith has made you whole. He, right there, explained what the bridge was from the healing power of God through him to her. It was her faith. That she'd had enough faith to risk it all for her healing. And it was her faith, not his. He didn't even know she was doing it. Too many people look for the faith of the preacher or the person praying for them. No, it's your faith. You don't have faith in me. You don't have faith in somebody else praying for you. Your faith is in the Lord. You don't even have faith in your own faith. You have faith in him. And she did. She believed that if she could touch him, she'd be healed. And the, and the one thing about this story, beside the all the other things, that really hits me is that And the entire gospel is this way. It's personal between you and the Lord, just like it was personal between her and the Lord in that multitude, in that throng of people. When others fail or don't even try to exercise that kind of faith in the time of need, 
the individual needing help can still get what they need and what they want because the promises of God are yea and amen. So because someone else failed doesn't mean you will. And we have got to learn to make it a personal matter between us and the Lord. That we are in our relationship with him, meeting the conditions of the gospel and answered prayer. And the conditions are not that great. And the benefits will always be there if they're met. What are the conditions? Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Well, One of the other conditions is belief. See, Jairus believed. We're going to get to him next week. The woman with the issue of blood, she believed. She believed that Jesus could do it. If you look at Matthew 17, 20, when the disciples couldn't cast the demon out of the epileptic boy, Yeshua said, because of your unbelief. They wanted to know why they couldn't do it. He said, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. At the sea conference, I talked about and I explained, and it was really interesting for me to watch it now that I'm editing it, because I don't always know what I'm going to say. I may have notes, but I don't always know what I'm going to say. In that kind of faith, the mountain-moving faith is quantum faith, the ability to tap into the Lord on a level deeper than the natural realm. And I don't think he's being allegorical. I think he means it. When you have the faith that grows from a mustard seed to the big tree that it becomes, you can say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. That's the kind of faith I pray for every day. That's the kind of faith I'm feeding. That's the kind of faith I'm striving for. We see in Mark 11, verses 20 through 26 in the morning, they passed by the same fig tree that he had cursed. Remember, he went to it for fruit out of season, didn't have it. He cursed it and stride from the roots up. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Yeshua answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whenever things, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, look at that phrase in, in, in Mark eleven twenty four. Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. 
And whenever you stand praying, here we go, another condition. If you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Unforgiveness can short-circuit a blessing. It can short-circuit that prayer of faith. The other thing in John fifteen four is the comparison of the vine and the branches. Abide in me. T- take permanent residence in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. That Those greater things that we want to do in his name. If we are abiding in him and he is abiding in us, he is the vine, we are the branches, the sap of the Holy Spirit is flowing through us, we should be producing the same fruit that he did. We should. That's a fact. It is a scriptural, spiritual fact. And I am frustrated that fact is only happens momentarily from time to time. I want to walk in it 24-7. I want to live it. I don't want to have to worry about the cares of this world. I don't want to have to deal with the nonsense of all the things around us. I want to flow in that spirit with him 24-7. But the other thing is, and this is something many of you deal with, because I, I speak to you, you email me, we've talked, and I think this scripture out of James 1, verses 5-8, through 8, you really have to listen to it. If anyone, any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But here we go. Let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." One mind is a fleshly human mind, a worldly mind. The other mind is a spiritual mind. It's chaotic. You're a split personality. You've got to ask in faith, and you've got to believe that he can do it. That woman with the issue of the blood, she believed. She reached out. She got it. Don't doubt. Don't be double-minded. Don't have high highs and low lows. Don't one minute say, oh, Lord, I know you can do it, but I don't know you didn't do it before, and you, I, I don't deserve it. On the word. The minute you start doing that, you've short-circuited that quantum flow that I call it, that triggering in the spirit. Just believe. Don't listen to friends and family or criticizing you for your foolish faith. Who cares what they think? They don't live your life. They don't have your struggles. They don't have your pain. They don't have what's going on in your life going on in theirs. And if they do, they've got their own time with the Lord that they can get it themselves. Ask, believe, receive, don't doubt. Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. That he is what? That he's God. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You want to please your Heavenly Father? Have faith. Believe that He wants to reward you. 
And personal faith comes by hearing the Word of God. That's why everything I do, whether it's a book, whether it's this, whether it's a a PowerPoint presentation, it is filled with Scripture. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, and also by the Holy Spirit, because one of the gifts of the Spirit is faith in 1 Corinthians 12, 9. That faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, Romans ten seventeen. Maybe you need to put that up somewhere. Maybe you need to speak it out loud. The other thing you have to believe, just like Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood, I really wish I knew what her name was, but for whatever reason, they didn't get it. They didn't put it. We'll find out. When we, when we get to paradise, I'll, I'll ask around. But that same faith is available to us today. Now, I don't, I don't have everything I've prayed for, but I know it's coming. I don't speak to things as they are. I speak to them as they should be. And I wait in expectancy for them. I believe he's as good as his word. For me, it may be one year, two years, 20 years, 30 years. I don't know. But the fact is, in the spirit realm, there is no time. It hasn't been 30 years in the spirit realm. It's just been in the linear concept of 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 300 and should be, you know, 365 days, should be 360, but whatever. I believe. Do you believe? Can you say that out loud right now with all of your, I believe. I believe he's as good as his word. I believe he's going to do what he promised. When he comes off the mountain of, of transfiguration where he has a, a meeting with Moses and Elijah, and, and he brings Peter, James, and John with him. Peter, yeah, Peter, James, and John with him. In Mark 9, verse 14, so when he comes off the mountain, he comes to his disciples, sees a great multitude around them, and the scribes are disputing with them. The scribes are the Sadducees. And immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed, and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, when the young boy, the possessed boy, saw Yeshua, immediately this spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and, and foaming at the mouth. So he asked the father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. Often it has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Yeshua said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Yeshua saw the people come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to a deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. And the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. 
and he became as one dead, so that many said, He's dead. But Yeshua took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. The Mark 9 version, I was, that was uh, Mark nine fourteen, In verse 23, in the New Living Translation of Mark nine twenty three, What do you mean, if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. Do you believe that he can? And if you believe that he can, do you believe that he will? This woman, this woman with the issue of blood, if I may touch the fringes of his garments, if I may just touch the seats on his delete, I shall be whole. That, that is an example of true faith and determination. Which all that can come from it is for the prayer to be answered. You see, she had an immediate need. She needed it now. She needed now faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen, not seen. She had now faith. I need this now. I'm out of money. I've been away from my family and friends and loved ones for 12 years. I've lived an isolated, lonely life. I need this now. And she believed now. And he answered now. See, she looked at those zitzits, those fringes, those tassels on the edges of the prayer shawls that the Jews wore, especially the pious Jews. She knew what they represented. She knew that they'd been commanded in Numbers 15, 38-39 in Deuteronomy twenty two twelve to have those put on there, that they were a reminder, like a proverbial string on your finger, a reminder of the 613 commandments of God. She knew that that blue and the tassel literally represented the word of God. And here, here she has an Israelite, a man in whom there is no hypocrisy. He's not like the Pharisees. He's not like the Sadducees. He's not like anybody else that has ever walked this earth. He is the one. And she knew if I can just grab a hold of those promises. If I could just grab a hold of the word of God. You see, she thought that the promises were in the seats, that the promises of God's words were in the seats. but what she found out was that the promises were in the living word of God. Religion won't do it. Re- ritual won't do it. You can wear 20 prayer shawls, but if it's if just material, there's no spirit in them. There's no spirit in you if the Lord's not in it. But she learned he was in it because he was it. Psalm 107.20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. The covenant of healing, the covenant of the word for all of Israel, and she acted upon her faith. She had no choice. He was all that was left. Uh, there were days that I prayed to the Lord, and I'd tell him, Lord, you're, you're all I have left. You're, you're, you're the only one that could do this. 
There's nothing in the natural I can do to make this happen. You're all I have. That's my faith. That's my declaration. And for the first time in 12 years, there's no cramps. There's no dizziness. There's no pain. And there's no blood. And I like the fact that in that scripture, it uses the word immediately twice. Both the woman and Yeshua immediately, simultaneously knew what had happened. What's your need right now? Do you have a now need? Do you have an immediate need? Well, then get some immediate faith going. And he doesn't criticize her, he commends her. This this phrase came to mind. I was taught it many years ago. I don't know. I, I think Pastor Shelley said it. I'm not sure. It was a long time ago. It was in Tallahassee. And at first I didn't get it, but I do now, after all these years of ministry and, and walking with the Lord. And the phrase was this. God is not moved by your need. He's moved by your faith. That touch of faith will touch his heart. And her pull of faith attracted the spirit of the living God, the spirit in Yeshua to her, and she was healed. See, she didn't know that he stood up in the synagogue and in Nazareth and read Isaiah 61.1, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and open opening of the prisons to those who are bound. She didn't know that, but she saw it. She learned it. And that touch of faith is different from the physical touch, but just as real. And I saw this list. Of, of the steps that she went through. And maybe you, you don't, maybe you don't have a chronic 12-year menstrual cycle. That's a long cycle. And I'm sure the women out there just kind of cringe when they realize she went through that for 12 straight years. The weakness, the pain, the isolation. She's desperate. Her condition is desperate. She's tried all the human remedies. She's gone to all the doctors. She's spent everything that she had. And then she hears about this prophet, this Jewish carpenter named Yeshua. And he happens to be coming through her area. Well, look, there's a crowd of people. That must be him. And they're surrounding him. She's determined, if I can only touch him. And she figures out what a risk this is if I get seen, if anybody notices me. And I believe the, the God, through the Holy Spirit, supernaturally shielded people from seeing her. Because that was her moment of a miracle. And she exercised life and death faith to push through the crowd, to reach and grab a hold of those fringes. And she's healed instantaneously, immediately, and she knows it. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Daughter, your faith, your trust and confidence in me, springing from faith in God, has restored you to health. 
Go into peace and be continually healed and freed from your distressing bodily disease. Complete healing. The flow of blood stopped and whatever was causing it was healed. Moved by her faith and the compassion he had on her. And he calls her daughter. I wonder how long it's been she's heard anybody say that to her. A word of tenderness, daughter. And then he commends her that her faith made her whole. Faith itself does not heal. But the proper object of that faith, Yeshua, is who heals. But my question becomes, did it, is everyone who touched him healed? Many were. She was. And the relation of faith to healing in the Gospels is somewhat complex. Yeshua responded sometimes to people's faith. Sometimes he refused to heal them for lack of faith. Sometimes he seemed to act purely on his own initiative as a witness to the world that he was the Messiah. But faith is explicitly present in about half the miracles in the gospel. In the other half, the miracles strengthen the faith of those who witness them. Don't get me wrong here. Faith is not a matter of name it and claim it. It does not override God's sovereignty. He, he's your heavenly father. He is dad. He decides what's good for you. And sometimes what you're asking for is not good for you. Sometimes what you're asking for is not in his perfect will for you. So to have faith, we need to relinquish trust in ourselves, in our own abilities, in our own mental processes, and put our trust in him. See, she had put her trust in physicians. didn't work out so well. Now she puts her trust in Yeshua believing that he could heal her. He was all she had left, and her faith made her well. And that statement, your faith has made you whole, your faith has, he says it many times. In Matthew 8, chapter 5, he enters Capernaum, a centurion comes to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Yeshua said, I will come and heal him. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy now remember, this is a pagan, Roman centurion, who has a need. Doesn't say he's a proselyte, doesn't say he's a believer. He's a Roman centurion. He says, I'm not worthy, you should come under my roof. But only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. And to my servant do this, and he does it. When Yeshua heard it, he marveled. And he said to those who followed him, Assuredly I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Yeshua said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Be well, be whole. Healing involves wholeness. 
restoration of health. It's never partial. It's always complete. Matthew 9, we've got two blind men following him, crying out, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Yeshua said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. And Yeshua sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it, but when you have a miracle from Jesus, you've got to tell everybody. When they departed, they spread the news about him in all that country. The woman with the alabaster flask of oil who goes in when when Jesus is having a dinner with, with some of the Pharisee leaders and she gets in there and she takes the alabaster flask of oil and she breaks it and she pours the oil on his feet and, and she wipes it with her hair. When it's all done, he says, though your faith has saved you, go in peace. And he acknowledged she had a lot of sins. But her faith saved her. Healing involves wholeness, completeness. And the Bible not only tells us of the, their spiritual status, but it's also concerned about their physical condition. And the emphasis on healing, particularly in the ministry of the Lord in the early church, nearly one-fifth of the gospel report Jesus' miracles. And the gospel records 14 distinct instances of physical and mental healing. And I think those are the example they use. I believe so many more happened. And he commissioned the disciples to continue this part of his ministry, including the healing. And the book of Acts continued the healing ministry. See, when he sent them out, Mark Matthew 10, chapter 5. And and you think, Richard, this is supposed to be about compassion. I'm going to tie it all together. But are you not getting it? It's out of love we do what we do. It's out of compassion in our heart for the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual condition. But he told the disciples, do not go into the way of the Gentiles. Do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He came first for the Jews and then for the Gentiles, and we know that the sons of the kingdom rejected it. And as you go, preach, saying that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor slip silver, nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staff, for a worker is worthy of his food. Meaning, you'll get what you need from the people you minister to. Mark 6 gives the same basic thing, and he sends them out two by two, gives them power of unclean spirits, tells them don't take anything, just take your sandals and what you're wearing. They were told to go do what? Tell people that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is here. There's healing in the kingdom. Kingdom living isn't about big houses or cars or whatever. It's about the spiritual blessings that come from a relationship with the living God. You have the woman, the widow of, of Nain, with her dead son, and he's moved to compassion. He sees her, and, and it's her only son, and, and this is all that she had, and he just is moved to compassion. And he says to her in Luke seven, thirteen, Do not weep, 
And he came and touched the open coffin. Those who carried him stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the boy woke up. Matthew fourteen fourteen. Yeshua went out and saw a great multitude, and he was moved with what? Compassion for them and healed their sick. Mark 1, verses 40 through 42, a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And the Lord moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him, a man that probably had not been touched in a very, very long time, didn't need to touch him, could have simply spoken it. But in his compassion, he knew that man needed to feel the loving touch of a human hand. And he says, I am willing, be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately, 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 it only says immediately once, but I'm pointing out the fact that word, immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. What more do we need to hear? Matthew 20, two other blind men, have mercy of us, O Lord, son of David. What do you want me to do for you, that our eyes may be opened? So he had compassion and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. And when that quote about he was moved with compassion, Matthew 9 Let's jump back to verse 35, and Yeshua goes to all the cities and the villages. He's teaching in their synagogues. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. See, this compassion, it's a command. He commands us to have compassion and mercy. It is the root nature of God to be full of compassion. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved Ephesians 2.4. 1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, for according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Yeshua, the Messiah, from the dead. Philippians 2.1, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Messiah, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, compassion is the source of God's love. Compassion is who we are called to be, compassionate people. James 5.11, If we indeed count them blessed to endure, you have heard of the perseverance of Job and see the end intended by the Lord. And there it is, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. If we are as he was, compassion should be our motivator as well. So, Father, I come to you now in the name of your Son, in the name of Yeshua. I come to you now based upon these words and the words in, in, in your word and the spirit behind it. And I pray soften our hearts. If we don't have compassion, compassion for the lost, if we don't have compassion for those that are bound, if we don't have compassion for those that are wounded, if our hearts are not torn by what we see, change us right now. By the fire of the Holy Spirit, burn off all of the scars and the wounds that have made us hard-hearted. Take the hardness of our heart and melt it. Melt it into the flowing, burning love of your Son, Yeshua. 
so that we can walk and touch and change people by our words, maybe by a hug, maybe by a look and a smile that is empowered by the loving, compassionate Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, King of kings and Lord of lords. For every person we see, show us their brokenness, show us their, the, the chains that they're bound in, show us with your eyes so that we can have compassion upon them. But also, Lord, let us look in the mirror and have compassion upon ourselves. Let us see ourselves the way you see us. Help us to love others. Help us to be like you. If ever there was a time in the world that people, especially those in the so-called church, could see the power of your love and your compassion. That's what would change lives, not religion, not denominationalism, not buildings, not programs, but the compassionate love of a living God through his Son, the only begotten Son of God, the Savior of the world. Let us be like that, Lord. Let us burn with that kind of love. Help us. Help us to do this. Help us to see that leper the way you did and not with disgust and to pull back. Help us to see through the things of this world, Lord. I know I'm as guilty of it as anybody else. You see someone that riles you the wrong way or they hit a specific button and you see the bad things, you don't see the good. Help us to see. Help us to see. Help our hearts to feel. Help our hands to touch. Help our words to speak. Help us to love. And I just pray this in the only name that it matters in heaven and earth. Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua. Amen. You know, folks, these are Bible studies. We are studying the Bible. Um, Of course, I always get a message in there, and sometimes I get emotional. But we need to start living this. We need to start practicing this. It's great that you listen. It's great that you support this. But you know, another way that you can support this is by doing it, by practicing it, by going out and, like the woman with the issue of blood, taking a risk of faith. And it doesn't mean you Bible thump them. doesn't mean you have to give them the whole gospel story or ask them if they're born again with the evidence of speaking. To- no, none of that. that. That'll come later. What they need to know is, A, what he did for you, and do I see him in you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his, his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grant. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.